If you're enjoying Night Faces, please check out our Patreon subscriptions for access to soundtracks, cool merch items, bonus episodes of Night Faces, and our Patreon-exclusive award-winning anthology series, Middle West. Fan support helps us to continue making these shows and is greatly appreciated. Productions presents Magda, a Night Faces original story. Episode 3, The Weight of Goodness. Chicago. 
Magda had found them in the phone book, the telephone booth, when she arrived. The tall buildings in the distance loomed over the people moving quickly around her, and she watched them through the glass. There was more rain, and it poured over everyone with a stinging intensity. It wasn't that different from home. Concrete pillars were not so unlike the pine, the arching oaks of West Sal. They all had the same purpose, to confine, to keep in, to keep out. Even in such a large city, the last name Elwood only had a few addresses listed. Magda closed her eyes and picked one, and she was right. Can I help you? A woman answered the door. Is Vincent home? Magda looked into the woman's eyes. She saw past the clear, glossy sheen. It was a dam about to break. She felt, within the two feet of distance between them, a world of questions, of mutual terror, of a knowing, one as a mother and another as a lover, that Vincent was not home, that he would not be coming home. No, no, my dear, he's not home. Do you know where he is? Magda reached out to grab his mother's hand. She did so gently, with a sliver of distrust, like you would reach out to a wild dog. And Magda let her pause for a moment first, before accepting the gesture. And when she did, she wept. The dam broke. That's how the resilience of pain works. It only holds tight without touch and it crumbles with care. Miss Elwood, I came here because I think your son is missing. I think something may have happened to him, and I need your help. Magda squeezed her hand now. She wanted to release her from the unknowing, from the piteous, pointless questions of why, why him. Magda knew these questions well, but the more important questions were who, where, and is he still alive? His mother cried out down the long hallway behind her. William? William, get in here. There's someone here who knows Vincent. Vincent's father came rushing to the door. Magda looked into his eyes, too, and sensed another dam holding back a flood. Though she could tell his would not break as easily, and she wasn't sure if that was a good or a bad thing. Mr. Elwood, I think you need to contact the police. Now. It was Tuesday, and on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, Laura spent the day at the convent. First, she would pray at home. After making her bed up neatly, she would kneel at the end of it, placing her praying hands just right over the quilt. The board beneath the bed was loose, and a nail bobbed up from the swollen wood. It was old and rusted, and Laura would place her knee over it, leaning her weight forward as she said the rosary. This caused her a great deal of pain, and her suffering she was sure, would be noted. She would then walk down the hallway to make sure her daughter was awake, that she too had prayed and was beginning her long list of chores for the day. Laura did not have time to keep house, as she was called to the Lord from a far, far distance, and at a very painful cost, the cost of her husband, her family broken apart, 
This caused her a great deal of pain, and her suffering, she was sure, would be noted. Laura opened the door to her daughter's room. The bed was made and she was gone. She walked to the window and lifted it. Magda, where are you, young lady? It's time for chores. Magda, her daughter, what could she do with her? Even in the town of the light, she cast a darkness. When she was born, Laura looked down at her head of black, unruly curls. It was odd for a baby, she thought, and she wept. She might as well have been born with hooves. The summer sun did not lighten her as she grew. Her olive skin boldened, her eyes became a deep hue of evergreen, and there was just something about her. Laura could sense it. It was as if a demon had laid hands on her womb when she wasn't looking, and the beast gave just a whisper of the devil to her child. She wasn't the Antichrist. She was just less than good, cursed. And Laura took this blame upon herself to have brought such a thing into the world. But she was reminded that the Lord would task her with such a harrowing job as to pull the evil from her own child, her own flesh and blood. For Laura, every day with Magda was an exorcism. She was draining the pus from the unholy wound that was her baby girl. The convent was on Main Street. The church came into possession of the old mansion after the previous owners boarded it up and left town. It was a majestic neoclassical revival house with large fluted columns that rose up from the porches at the front entrance and along both sides of the home. And to the north of the main wing, there was a small chapel. Inside the now convent, a grand staircase led to several bedrooms with small balconies. And on the main floor, there was a kitchen, a parlor, a dining room and several more rooms. The majesty of the mansion had diminished, but once was a home of prominence, of pride and greed and men and business and lavish parties, was now the home of women, young women, in the business of debt, of sin, tasting the skin of the apple, called to its flesh. How could they ever be anything more, if only made of a single rib? Bones were meant for breaking, and here they would. Laura was in charge of handpicking young women from the area to join the convent. She was uniquely able to discern which girls had the most risk of eternal damnation, a gift that was bestowed upon her thanks to her own daughters. And she would take them aside and show them the way of the Lord, the way of Mary, the way of martyrs. Is it not Christ you love that you commit to? Our Holy Mary has shown you the way, the way of ultimate sacrifice, of true innocence. And you bring this here. Laura pulled a book from under one of the girls' beds. It was a book of poems by Sylvia Plath. She smacked the book across the girl's face, hard, and her cheek flooded with blood beneath her skin, called forward, and it burst through her busted lip. I'm so sorry. It won't happen again. You'll be in charge of cleaning the kitchen and the bathrooms today. You and no one else. You will not sleep until they are spotless. The convent of the shrine was not run the way other convents were. Laura was not a nun, and neither were any of the other women who ran it. It was run by the holy martyrs, the committee itself, and at its helm was Father Virgil. He was sent to the town in 1954 to observe the miracle, and he took the farmer's half-broken church and made it new. It was a blessing that he never left, and Laura did not often question his ways. Even now, 
knowing the Catholic Church disapproved of their beliefs, their miracle, she would follow Father Virgil, who carried the light. Laura looked at the drops of blood on the floor, the poor girl suffering, she was sure, would be noted. her mother is with the Lord in a better place. Now why would she cry over that? Um, I think she just misses her mama. Yeah. You tell her, this is no time to question our Lord, alright, Billy? He has a plan for us all. Yes, Father. Do you need something? Yes. Now, I know it may be hard, but I'll need you to speak this Sunday at the shrine for the visitors. It's important as the news of Patricia spreads that you speak of the miracle of the sighting that you uphold the holy vision. Uh, I don't think I should, Father. Billy, it's important, you know. Your loss is not our loss. You must carry this privately with discretion. You must sacrifice to him, to her, to our Holy Mother, and you have... So much has been asked of you, Billy, but so much was given to you. You saw a miracle, and it is your divine duty to spread the gospel of Mary. That is your charge, as a member of the committee. You were with her before she went. Did she say anything to you, Father? Father, there's no light. Anything? No light. Yes, no light. son, she did. She said, we are her. It was late. Magda stepped off the bus, and the night had fallen over the cornfields that hugged the ditch line along the gravel road she would follow back home. She was careful now not to reach her hand outward, for fear of seeing the secrets the stalks held. Whatever the nightmares were, they were getting stronger. She wasn't sure she wanted to know where they came from. In the distance, Magda saw a glowing light. It was enticing, the way it bloomed upward and shined into the night. As she got closer, she realized it was a bar. There was a woman sitting on the hood of a car smoking a cigarette, and a couple leaning against the metal siding of the small building, kissing, as the smoke circled around, hugging their form. Magda looked in through the window and saw the bodies moving as one, to music, 
to raise their glasses to embrace. It felt warm and inviting. She felt an overwhelming urge to step inside, although she knew she shouldn't. She thought of her mother and her mound of sins that had grown in the last few days, and how odd it had been that after she returned from the forest, her mother hadn't said a word to her about her absence. Magda figured she was still living on borrowed time before her mother's wrath would befall her. What was one more sin? Magda stepped up to the bar, nudging her way between shoulders, and found a seat. She waited eagerly to catch the bartender's attention, and she watched as the woman gracefully weaved between customers, pouring drinks, clearing glasses away, until she made her way to her. What do you have in? Magda was caught off guard as she peered into the bartender's eyes, pale green and so familiar, her hair that exact shade of red, and her freckles. She was older than Jean, but she looked so much like her, and the feeling of seeing her, seeing a fraction of her, even the likeness of her, grown, stabbed Magda in the heart. She was quickly reminded of the life that was happening somewhere without her. In a town with no pine, in a town with no miracle, a town before the nightmares. All Magda knew were her dreams ripped away, right at the cusp of the good part. Somewhere, her father, her sister, her best friend, they were all living on, in the sun, in love, without the crushing weight of goodness. Hey, do you want a drink or what? Magda quickly apologized. I'm so sorry. It's fine, hun. What's your drink? Magda froze again, but behind her, she felt a hand around her waist. For a moment, she thought it was him, that it was Vincent but he quickly and gently moved her aside. She'll take a whiskey, make that too, on my tab. The bartender smirked. You got it, Woody. Oh, thank you. I wasn't sure what to order. Yeah, I could tell. I'm Woody. What's your name? Magda looked up at him. He had soft, tired blue eyes, long, dark hair tucked behind his ears, and he was tall and thin and scruffy. He pushed the whiskey toward her, and his hands and knuckles were beat up and calloused over. They were hard-working hands, not prayer hands. My name is Magda. I'm from West Sal. Woody laughed a little under his breath, beneath his beard. Town of the Lights. Magda looked down at her drink, the caramel-colored liquid. It was not church wine. She quickly shot it back. She had felt the burn of alcohol before, but only the blood of Christ. This felt like the blood of something else, and she liked it. <laughs> I guess. Well, all right then. Woody took his drink and waved his hand over the bar, gesturing for two more. What are you doing here? I've never seen you here before. Magda thought for a moment. She considered a lie. But as she looked around, the patrons of the bar, the lost souls, the wayward ones, she felt comforted. She felt at home in this place of immorality, of disobedience. In a way, she felt the furthest from evil she ever had. Certainly wasn't hiding here. Here in this place, you could see it all in plain sight. Pain was the man at the corner of the bar, hanging his head over his drink. Lust was the couple sharing skin next to the jukebox. Wickedness was the girl swaying over the pool table, knocking in eight balls, collecting all the coins. It was just living. It was coping with existence. <laughs>
was delighting in human pleasures. It was not the suffering she was used to. Missing out on this life, all for the next. Magda loved it here, in the depths of Peckinsey. I'm looking for someone, someone dear to me. I don't know what happened to him, but I have this awful feeling. Woody looked at Magda. She swirled her drink in her hand and then brought it to her lips. He watched her eyes move around the room, mesmerized. She didn't look much like she belonged to the town of the light. She was different. I can help you. Really? Why? Why would you help me? You don't even know me. You need help, don't you? Well, yes. Then that's why. Magda searched his cloudy blue eyes, and behind the fog, they were brilliant, like diamonds. And she thought of how the sky cleared after a lightning storm. A great, powerful, deadly show of light. How there was something after. There could be something after the light. Hi, I'm Isabel, the creator, writer, and voice behind Night Faces, and I want to take a moment to talk to you about Apollo Plus. Night Faces recently joined the Apollo Plus exclusive roster. What that means is that you can listen to the show ad-free, gain early access to new episodes and seasons, more on that later, and a bunch of other cool stuff. And don't worry, you can still listen to Night Faces for free on your favorite podcast apps. This is just one way you can help support us. Apollo Plus is a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators. When you subscribe, you are supporting not only your favorite shows, but probably your soon-to-be new favorite shows, too. There's so much to discover there. And the exclusive content you have access to comes from a curated catalog of top-notch audio fiction. Not only that, but creators receive 70% of their revenue on Apollo Plus, so that they can create a new series or another season of your favorite show, all thanks to you. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcast app or by going to apollopods.com.